Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. How's everybody doing this morning? I tell you what, I'm excited about today because we have made a transition. We're moving from the struggle of Romans chapter 7. Do you remember last week? No. (laughs) I I take that as a no. We don't remember. Okay, we do remember last week. Last week, Paul was saying what? I'm miserable. I do the things that I know that I shouldn't do. And when I want to do the things that I shouldn't do, I end up doing the things that I shouldn't do anyway. And I really don't understand myself. I'm miserable. I'm wretched. Who can save me, right? He leaves us there in this pit of misery and despair. But today, we're going to move forward into Romans chapter 8. Now, we've discovered at this moment, up to this point, that there's a real battle struggle, if you would, between the part of us that wants to do what honors God and the part of us that leans toward this old fleshly side. You see, any of us that have given ourselves to Jesus Christ, we struggle in this moment, in this, in this battle that's raging on the inside of our lives. Again, Paul says, what a miserable person I am. But here's what I love about Paul, and honestly, here's what I love about God's Word. God always gives us a way out, Amen. Every single time, God gives us a way out. We're not left in the misery. We're not left in the despair. In fact, Romans chapter 7, verse 25, the very end of 7, Paul says this, But thank God, the answer is where? In Jesus Christ, my Lord. He says, I don't have to depend upon myself anymore. I don't have to be the one that, that maintains this life by myself. I'm not the one that has to pull out of this pit of struggle by myself any longer. Why? Because the answer is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's great news. And I've stated this regularly in this series, but my goal, my heart's desire is that we as a church, and honestly, we individually as Christians, that we'll move past that point of failure, that we'll move beyond the hurdles in life, the addictions, the struggles that consume us and perhaps have consumed you for many, many, many years, and perhaps we'll move into an area of victory. Why? Because the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, as I've stated, we're moving into Romans chapter 8, probably my favorite chapter in the book of Romans. Because up to this point, it's been one struggle 
after another. Paul's talking about this spiral downward, and there's no real hope on our own, and we try, and we try, and we try, but what do we do? We, we fail. We stumble. In fact, he says that every one of us fails. Every one of us makes mistakes. Every one of us falls short of God's glorious standard, and now in chapter 8, he moves to this moment of victory or great success in our relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul, at this moment, is on top of the world. He's on cloud nine. But what made the difference for Paul? You see, it's not a title. It's not to say, well, I'm a Christian, so everything's great. It's not just in a title alone, because quite honestly, if you ask people in our culture, if you go outside of these walls, are you a Christian? A lot of people are going to say, absolutely, I'm a Christian. Because grandma went to such and such church. Right? Because we're a godly nation, quote unquote, godly nation. Because I'm a good person. I must be a Christian. So it's not just in title alone. It's not in a moment of, of giving our lives to Christ, of coming to an altar and, and asking forgiveness. Oh, that's really good. You need that moment. You need that time. That's the starting point. That's breaking through the gate. That's beginning the journey. It's not even out of tradition or routine or going through emotions. Again, each one of these are vitally important, but our victory in this journey with Christ, listen very, very carefully, our victory in this journey with Jesus Christ is found in our willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. Come on. It's not found in the title it's not found in a moment experience. It's not found in tradition of going through the routines. It's found in saying, Lord, I give you my all. Lord, I give you my life today, tomorrow, forever. Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But can I be honest with you? I've read Romans chapter 8 many times, not only as a Christian, but as a pastor. And every single time when I've read it, I focused on the beginning of Romans 8, and I focused on the end of Romans 8, and I've missed what was right in the middle. Have you ever been reading the Word of God, and you're reading along, and suddenly something pops out to you that you never saw before? And in fact, maybe you even looked at God and you said, when did you put that in there? Yeah. Come on, have you been there? That's where I was as I began this journey of Romans chapter 8. I've read Romans chapter 8 verse 1 and 2 many, many times, and we're going to read it in just a moment. But I saw something as I delve into chapter 8, and it's the word spirit. Now, the word spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, the Holy Spirit is part of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the what? Holy Spirit. We need all of God. Come on, hold on to that. We can't survive in this walk with Christ with just two-thirds of the Godhead. 
Many Christians in our nation try that. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, which gives us, puts us in right standing with the Father, and we think, oh, we're good. But what did Jesus say? I'm leaving you an advocate. And as I go, the Father will send an advocate, a paraclete, if you would. In other words, I'll send the Holy Spirit to lead you. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this word spirit is used over 20 times in Romans chapter 8. You see, we understand very quickly the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this chapter, we realize very quickly that there are benefits. How many of you like benefits? Yeah, oh, we all do. Come on. You love when you get a benefit. You love when you get something free with something else, right? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you not only get Jesus Christ, ha, come on, you get the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you need the Holy Spirit every day, and that includes when you go to Walmarts. Come on, especially when you go to Walmart. Crazy folk in that place. So I want to look at, at four benefits of a life of Christ this morning. And I want to base it off of our text, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. And it says this, so now, say now, and now there is no condemnation. Oh, come on, that's good. Some of you have been living your life every single day with this condemnation, this weight upon your shoulders. But now Romans chapter 8 says, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving, what? Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Folks, this is good news. Today, I want to take a few moments and I want to look at these benefits of a relationship with Christ. You see, it's, it's the life in Christ, or maybe I should say it this way, it's the life with Christ in us that makes all the difference between victory and defeat. Come on, let me say that again. It's the life in Christ, or rather the life with Christ in us. And by the way, hold on to that thought. We're going to build up to this idea of Christ in us this morning. And we're going to hit a, a climactic point at the end of the message. It's a life with Christ in us that makes all the difference between victory and defeat. Well, pastor, I just don't know how I can get over this. Give it to Christ. I don't know how I can make it past this. Give it to God. I'm not really sure what I can do. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life. Four benefits to a life with Christ. Number one is this. We are free from condemnation. We are free from condemnation. Verse one, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The first thing he does, that Paul does, is he points out that the Holy Spirit is the answer to all the problems in chapter 7. 
The problem is, many people, even church folk, we get stuck in Romans chapter 7, and we never make it to Romans chapter 8. Right? Some of you are like, Pastor, that's me right now. I've been a Christian for a week. I've been a Christian for a month. I've been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and I'm stuck in Romans chapter 7. I want you to hold on today. You see, you're saying things to yourself like this. Who's going to deliver me? I'm stuck in this condemnation. I feel so guilty. I can't measure up to God's glorious standard. In fact, I don't even measure up to my standard. I'm just enslaved in this world of guilt. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live a life without condemnation. Did you notice what I just said there? The Holy Spirit makes it possible. See, sometimes there, there, are, there are moments that we don't live in this condemnation-free life because we don't give the Holy Spirit control of our life. We're going to talk in just a moment. We have a choice to make of what side we're going to follow. So, so hold on to that. This idea of condemnation, what does condemnation really mean? It's kind of a big word. I wouldn't imagine that it's a word that you use a lot in your daily vocabulary. But according to Merriam-Webster, the word condemnation simply means this. The state of, mean, of being pronounced guilty. It's the state of being pronounced guilty. And I began to look at this definition, and any time that I'm looking at a word, I'm going to look at Merriam-Webster or Google or Dictionary.com, one of those. I'm going to look at their definition, but I'm also going to go to the original language of the Bible, and I'm going to find out what were they intending with this word? What were they really getting to with this word? And I don't feel that Merriam-Webster has really defined the word condemnation as it was meant to be defined. And I want you to have a clear understanding of what we are free from. See, this could, should cause you to get pretty excited this morning. I want you to understand what you're free from this morning as you walk in step, as you allow the Holy Spirit to consume you, as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you on a daily basis. Now, the biblical word that is used for condemnation here is this, katakrima, katakrima. And here's what it means, a damnatory sentence. Okay, man, for me, when I read that, I was like, whoa! You guys are like, okay. Look at this, a damnatory sentence. Do you see the depth of what we're free from because of our relationship with Jesus Christ? We are free from a sentence, come on, that damns us to a devil's hell for all eternity. That's what the Holy Spirit makes available to us. Praise God for his grace, his mercy, and his salvation. There is now no condemnation, no damnatory sentence to those who give themselves to Christ that allow the Holy Spirit to consume them and lead their lives. 
that brings us to another question. What's the condition for no condemnation? See, if there's going to be a bonus, if we're going to get something out of this, surely there's a condition, something that we need to do in order to receive this condemnation-free life. And I began to look at this, and I realized there's only one thing that, that we really need to do. John chapter 5. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I tell you the truth. Don't you love that Jesus tells you the truth? I, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they've already passed from death to life. See, it's not a matter of I've got to be perfect. Because truth be told, not a single one of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Guys, listen carefully. Your wife, she's not perfect. I do premarital counseling with couples that want to get married, and one of the questions that I ask in this process is this. If there's one thing you can change about your spouse or your future spouse, what would it be? And I love, I love the, the young, engaged couples because they'll come up to me and they'll say, there's nothing I would change about them. <laughs> there's nothing they do that bothers me one bit. They're perfect in every way. And I would say this to them, just wait. Come on, somebody. Ladies, your husband's going to start making sounds you never imagined he'd make. Let me move on. See, I didn't say anything about you. You're perfect in every way. Just, oh. she says, move on. <laughs> Where was I? It's not being perfect. That's not what's going to keep us from condemnation. It's not keep all the rules, follow all the rules of the mitzvah, the Jewish laws, and then God will think we're okay. No, 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 no. All we have to do is surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, to give ourselves to him. In other words, allow Christ to dwell in us. Again, hold on to that thought. We're going to build up to that in just a moment. The reason why, we, why I'm not condemned, the reason why you're not condemned if you've given your life to Jesus is because Jesus Christ took all the condemnation upon himself as he willfully hung on the cross of Calvary, giving himself for you. In fact, he called out to the Father, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have a clue with what they're doing. He took your punishment and my punishment. Case closed. John 3, 16, we know this scripture quite well. Many of you could probably quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But oftentimes we stop right there. Why? Well, that's good news. 
We need that. We need to know that, that God loves you so much, that God loves me so much that he's, will, that he's willing to give Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to die on the cross. But we've got to go on to understand the magnitude of what we'll experience. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever. No respecter of persons. Not if you're good enough or you achieve this or you're on this side of the tracks or that side of the tracks or this economic status or that economic. No, 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 no. Whoever. Used to be a song we sang way back when. I am a whosoever. Right? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Wow. See, I told you that there was an option here. There's a choice that you get to make. The Holy Spirit makes available an opportunity to step out of condemnation and to give what you were once condemned with, to give it to Christ who bore it on the cross of Calvary for us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus came with the sole purpose of giving us a way out of condemnation. Amen? Look at the second benefit. The second is this. You are given a better choice. How many of you like better choices? Yeah, a few years ago we were looking for medical insurance and, and the rep that we were working with gave us good, better, and best options. This is a good option. This is going to get you covered. This is a little better, but man, this is a cream of the crop moment. And in this moment right now, we have a choice between not even a good, but a destructive side or the best. There, there's really nothing in between in this choice that we have in a relationship with Christ. Look what Romans chapter 8 says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Look at this. So you have a choice. Set your mind on the things of the flesh. Lean this direction. Move toward the old lifestyle. Or allow the Spirit which dwells in you to, to lead and guide your life. And you set your focus on the things of the Spirit. In this section of Romans chapter 8, he talks about two mindsets that are demonstrated. One, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the other, a relationship that's in opposition to the things of Christ. And by the way, there's nothing in between. It's one or the other. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 9, he says this. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. 
That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Come on, living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Here we see Paul laying out the difference between the believer and the unbeliever. In verse 6, he says, So letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So the question that begs to be asked is this. Which life do you want? That's really the ultimate question. Which life do you want? See, life leading to death or life leading to life and peace? Truth be told, the life that follows after the sinful nature lives for self, selfish ambitions. It's hostile to God. It doesn't obey God's direction, nor can it, if we're being completely honest, To live according to the old sinful nature is to live a life that is in direct opposition to the goodness, the grace, mercy, and peace of God. But Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up that cross. You've got to follow me. And I wonder, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to make that change in order to live a life that leads to peace and hope and a future with God? Because here's what I've come to understand. The Spirit-filled life does not mean you get more of the Spirit. It means the Spirit gets more of you. Come on. You guys are quiet this morning. The Spirit-filled life, the moment you say, Lord, I'm willing to follow you, Holy Spirit, I want to follow your leading every day in my life, isn't the moment that the, the Spirit, that you get more of the Spirit, it's the moment that the Spirit gets more of you. In other words, you clean out all the junk in life, and you say, Lord, here I am. Lord, take all of me. Lord, I, I'm going to empty out the closets Lord, I'm going to get rid of the cobwebs. Lord, I'm going to get rid of that junk that slows me down. The Bible says rid yourself of anything and everything that even slows down your relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I'm going to remove that stuff. Why? So there's room for more and more of you. It's a complete surrender to the leadership of God Almighty. And I love what John the Baptist said in John chapter 3. He said this, he must become greater and greater. And I, I must become less and less. Lord, I want to give you everything so that you are exalted, Lord, so that you are lifted up, so that you are the focal point. Lord, take all of that I am, Lord, and consume me with all of you so that you become greater and greater and I become less 
and less. To live in alignment with the Holy Spirit is to pursue and to submit to a life of allowing the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit to take charge in your life. Paul reminds us how vital this is in verse 9. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Come on, look at this. You, you are not of the flesh anymore. You don't have to allow that old sinful nature to rear its ugly head. You need to stomp on his head today. You need to take authority in that moment today. You need to remind the devil who he is and his future. You've got to remind the devil what God has done in you and who you are in Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more than a conqueror. You are saved by grace that God is leading and guiding your life, and he has no authority over you. You see, here's the deal. You're not of the flesh if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Are we seeing a pattern here today? Benefit number three. We are given a life with hope and a promise. I don't know about you, but I look at this, and man, that's encouraging because I look at the world around me, and I don't see much hope, nor do I see much promise. Right? I mean, you can't turn on social media. You can't turn on the news without having doom, despair, and agony. Oh, my. But Jesus Christ offers us hope he offers us a promise today. Romans 8, 18, and then 20 and 21. Yet what we suffer, Paul is writing here, he says, yet what we suffer now, it's nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Come on, let that sink in. What we're going through right now, the struggle we're facing right now, the difficulty we're going through right now, it's nothing compared to what he will reveal to us later. Verse 20, but with eager hope, the creation, that's us, looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Paul says, sure, we're going to suffer some hardship. John 16, in this world you're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. You see, when you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you step out of that old sinful nature into the life of hope and a promise, that doesn't mean that God takes away all the problems. You're still going to have issues, right? Right? You're still going to face opposition. You're still going to have problems. Christians are not exempt from suffering. But grab a hold of this. The Christian has something that the non-Christian does not. We have a hope that gets us through our suffering. In fact, Paul says you can't compare what you're going through to the glory that you will soon experience with Christ. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That is why we never 
give up. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, never give up. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our, spirit, our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Oh, come on. Yeah, those mornings when you wake up and you think, I'm just going back to bed, right? Everything seems to be going wrong. But Paul says, man, these things are small. They're not going to last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul says our present troubles, our current situations, they're small, but they won't last very long. Now, you have to understand who is saying this. We're not talking about a guy that didn't go through issues. We're not talking about a guy that everything went perfectly well in his life. Let me remind you, Paul was shipwrecked twice. He was beaten five times. He was left for dead two times. He had large rocks thrown at him. He was whipped and beaten. He was placed in jail for sharing the good news of Christ. He was given no food. One trial, one problem, one difficulty after another. And yet he looks at the suffering. He says, oh, this is nothing. This isn't going to last very long. It's here for a moment, but this is going to pass. Man, what a perspective. Paul says, I, I don't choose to focus on the struggle that I go through. I don't choose to focus on the problems that I'm experiencing. I'm not going to allow them to overflow me. Why? Because there's something greater on the inside of me. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Says, I'm going to fix my eyes not on these issues but on the solution. On the one that holds the answer. The one that holds the promise. Paul mentions three things that we can hope for. Number one in verse 24, he says, even though the Holy Spirit is in us, we long for the day when we will leave this body joined together with God for all eternity. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that to be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. That's a promotion. The second promise is this. We have the fact that when we don't know how to pray. We're not really sure how to deal with the situation. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit steps in on our behalf, begins to pray in ways that we don't understand, to express it in ways that we couldn't verbalize it in our words. Then he says in verse 28, that God is working everything out for the good those that love him and are called according to his purpose. 
God is making a way. It may seem difficult right now. It may not make any sense right now. You may not be able to wrap yourself around it right now, but I want you to know that God is making a way where it seems impossible. God is making a way in your life today. And there's a fourth benefit. We are given our breakthrough because of Christ. You're given a breakthrough in life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. You're given a breakthrough in life not because of who you are, not because of what you could accomplish on your own, but you're given a breakthrough in your life today because of Christ. Romans chapter 8, 31 says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, if God is dwelling in us, we have nothing to fear. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I've got in front of me some soda cans. In fact, the best soda on the market right now, Dr. Pepper with cream soda. Come on, somebody. And looking at these cans, they appear the same. Tops are still on. Same cans. Everything looks identical. But I began to look at this and I realized that this is much like our lives. The difference in these cans is what's on the inside. See, with us, the difference comes when we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to take root. We begin to allow the Holy Spirit to grow inside of us. In Romans chapter 7, Paul was saying, what a miserable person I am. There's no hope. I see the things that I need to do, and I want to do them, and I want to do what's right, but every single time I mess up, every single time I fail, I don't get myself at all. There's no hope. There's no future. But then he has a moment. Who can rescue me from this life of struggle, of despair, of condemnation? He says, my hope is found on Jesus Christ. My hope is based upon Christ and Christ alone. See, what's the difference between these cans and these cans? It's what's on the inside. You see, when we try things by ourselves, we're empty. We're lost. There's no hope. It's easy to crush. It's easy to fall. It's easy to stumble. And maybe that's where you are. I would challenge you today. 
Why not let the Holy Spirit consume you? Why not let the Holy Spirit fill you with substance? You see, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to clothe ourselves in all of the glory of God, the full armor of God. So when the winds become to, begin to come, when the struggles come our direction, we can stand firm on the things of God. That we won't be crushed by the storms. That we won't be overtaken by the struggles. But we'll say, Lord, I give myself to you. Lord, I surrender all. I would challenge you today. Maybe you feel like these cans that are so easily crushed. Life seems to be smashing you with every single step that it takes. God's calling out to you today. He is saying to you, I want to fill you up. I want to consume you today. Will you let me lead? And I would challenge you to say, Lord, here I am. Why? Because now is your moment for a breakthrough.